those wonderful benefits that were read to us from Psalm 19 might be indeed our experience. That the wonderful word of God will bring life, that it will cleanse and regenerate and quicken and purify and create in us the fear of God and cause our steps to be ordered aright so we might enjoy the wonderful blessing that you have planned for all creation, the wonderful blessings that we miss when we go our own stubborn, selfish, rebellious way. Lord, I pray that you'll open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your word. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, Memorial Day 2017. It is interesting, isn't it, not when we take time to reflect upon the day and its meaning and even the establishment of the day as a holiday. In just doing a little bit of research, I found out that there are at least 25 different places that claim to be the birthplace of Memorial Day. When something gets popular, everyone wants a piece of it. But the interesting history is that in April 1866, a group of women in the South were decorating the graves of Confederate soldiers. And nearby, they noticed that the graves of the Union soldiers were being neglected. Disturbed by the sight, they took flowers, the same flowers, and decorated the graves of their recent enemy. But it was two years later that the Grand Army of the Republic, headquartered in Washington, D.C., sent out a general order, General Order Number 11, coming from General John A. Logan. It was a mandate establishing Memorial Day as a federal holiday. But let me read to you some of the words that he gave in this order, which can be found in a plaque in our own Mount Hope Cemetery here in Lansing. The 30th day of May, 1868, is designated for the purpose of decorating the graves of comrades who died in defense of their country during the late rebellion and whose bodies now lie in almost every city, village, and hamlet, churchyard across the land. If other eyes grow dull, if other hands slack, if other hearts cold in the solemn trust of remembering, Ours shall keep it as well as long as light and warmth of life remain in us. Let us then at the time appointed gather around their sacred remains and garland the passionless mounds above them with the choicest flowers of springtime, raising up the old flag. And then he said this, Let no ravages of time testify to the present or to the coming generations that we have forgotten as a people the cost of a free and undivided republic. <laughs> Those are great words. I'm sure he must have had a ghostwriter because generals don't normally write so well. Moving words. And he acknowledged in the establishment of this day that there was inbred in humanity the tendency to forget. So he said, let no ravages of time 
prove to other generations that we have forgotten the cost of liberty and the price of freedom. But we are a reductionist republic. That is, it's tough to keep a whole day. So we've moved the day from the 30th to the first Monday so that we might have a longer weekend, which didn't necessarily help us in remembering the day. And then the day has now officially become a minute. Did you know that? It was in the year 2000 that Congress passed the Memorial Minute legislation. So at 3 p.m. on Memorial Day, whenever that is, we are to pause for a moment and remember. I, I understand. We're, we live busy lives, and you won't find me always in a graveyard on Memorial Day reading gravestones, although that does happen. But we tend to forget the things we ought to remember and remember the things we should forget. And so it's good to have a day, a memorial day. It used to be called Decoration Day, right? You remember that? Because you would decorate the graves with these flowers. Now Memorial Day and the changing of the word means nothing. It's the emphasis, it's the time, it's the commitment to the purpose that means something. And when I think of forgetting, I think of remembering in the same thought because they're two sides of the same coin, are they not? To remember is to cease to forget, and to forget is to cease to remember. But what I find interesting is that these are the same ideas and concepts that we find often in the Holy Scripture, both the Old and New Testament. But I want to direct your attention this morning to an Old Testament portion of Scripture. This is Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Because we're going to talk this morning about forgetting and remembering. Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is part of the reminder that Moses gives to the people of God. They've wandered through the wilderness. They are about ready to cross the Jordan River and enter into the promised land. Moses won't get to do that, and he knows that. So he, this is his last shot at preaching to his people. And basically, the book of Deuteronomy is five different sermons that are filled with the idea of remember and don't forget. I think the word remember is found some 17 times in the book of Deuteronomy. Notice verse 1, Deuteronomy 8. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you might live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Here it is. Remember. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you, to test you, in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that men shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Going down to verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, 
Praise the Lord your God for the good land that he's given you. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine homes and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Let's stop right there. Some amazing and awesome words from the mouth of Moses to the people of God that have application for us today in the 21st century. What about this thing called forgetting? Let's start there. The whole idea of forgetting. It implies that we once knew something, that there once was some close association, some vital interest, some keen connectedness. Something was once dear to us, or at least in our purview, but now it is gone. And once having known it, it is absent from our thoughts. That's what forgetting is. There are various degrees of forgetting. And sometimes we'll forget something and then we will remember it. And there are those whose minds are so keen that they forget nothing and you wish they would. But most of us are often forgetting the things we long to remember. And so either we do something with some energy to try to bring back what has been lost, or we continue in the fog to our own peril, and we endure the consequences of our forgetting. Why did Israel forget God? Because even after all of these sermons, they're going to forget the sermons, which people do. They're going to forget the words of God. And they're ultimately going to go into captivity. But why? Well, some of the ideas are mentioned right here in Scripture. For instance, it says, once you are satisfied, verse 10. As you read through Deuteronomy 8, you, you become convinced that God's intention was to give his people a good land. I want you to live in it, he said in verse 1, to possess it. He says it is a good land, verse 10. And he describes it in verse 7 as a land with streams and pools and waters and springs flowing in the valley and hills, which, by the way, in a desert region is extremely valuable. We take water for granted here in Michigan, but if you lived in Phoenix, Arizona, you wouldn't. And if you lived in Jerusalem, you wouldn't. So this is a wonderful land with with uh, lush vegetation, verse 8. Wonderful produce. And you will lack nothing, he says in verse 9. But when prosperity comes and you are satisfied, that's when you forget. America is too fat and America is too satisfied to remember the cost of those who paid the price in the various wars. I read somewhere 152 million died and multiple million more have been injured because they fought for our freedoms. 
We become satisfied and we forget. And when we become satisfied, we become proud. Look at verse 14. Your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. When you're satisfied and you think all is well, you begin to think that you have now arrived and that everything you need you have or most things you want you have or at least you have the idea that you can get them. Verse 18, but remember, the Lord your God, he is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and strength uh, of hands have produced my wealth. But remember, it's God who provides for you. And we are not only a forgetful church and nation, but we're often an arrogant and selfish people. But then there's one thing that is implied in the text that John Logan mentions. It's another reason why we tend to forget. It's called the ravages of time. Hmm. I heard Os Guinness speak on freedom. Os Guinness is a Christian lecturer works with a think tank called East-West. I believe it's headquartered in New York. A brilliant Christian thinker, as well as a gracious man. And Os Guinness made this very interesting observation about freedom. He said the fathers of our country were interested in winning freedom. That was the Revolutionary War. Secondly, they were interested in ordering freedom. That was the Constitution, which has never been bettered. Not perfect. But he said the third thing they were interested in is sustaining freedom. And it was that that all the framers of the Constitution felt was the most difficult to sustain it. Once discovered or won, and once ordered, the most difficult thing will be to sustain it. A woman once asked Ben Franklin, what have you achieved? And he said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. That's the tough thing. And it's the ravages of time. Again, the founders recognized that there would be attacks on our freedom. They would come from without, from our enemies. But they weren't overly concerned at that time because we were protected by two oceans. Secondly, there was the danger of the corruption of customs, which simply meant the core principles upon which freedom was based would slowly erode and change the traditions, the core values once held by our nation and then soon lost. You don't need a sermon on how the core values of this nation have changed. Let me just remind you some words that General George Washington, the man who, humanly speaking, is probably more responsible for our freedom than anyone else, and our first president who laid down such an amazing example for all to follow, said this. When he resigned his commission as commander-in-chief, he reminded the nation that without the humble initiation of the divine author of our blessed religion, we can never hope to be a happy nation. In his first inaugural address, he said, the propitious, favorable smiles of heaven 
can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. Oh, that our leaders would once again say such things and mean them and order our country aright. So those core principles, the, the customs that our, our freedom is based upon, if those go bad, then the nation goes bad. But the third menace of this freedom is simply time. The injuries of time. It was Abraham Lincoln who said, the assault of the silent artillery of time on the walls of republic will do more damage than any army we face. And over time, we get comfortable. And over time, we get prosperous. And over time, we get proud. And we forget God. We forget the sacrifice that was paid to purchase our freedom. So it's good to have a Memorial Day to remember those who purchased our freedom in this country. It's also good to have regular reminders to remember what God has accomplished for us. So what do we forget? Well, this text tells us a few things that we forget. We forget God, right? You have forgotten, verse 19, the Lord your God. He's out of our minds. He's out of our sight. The fear of God does not control the way we live. The word of God does not guide our steps. And when you read through Deuteronomy 8, uh, there's something else that we forget. You forget, verse 14, the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, the land of slavery. You forget he brought you out of something. This is the amazing phrase that is repeated, I think, seven times throughout the book of Deuteronomy. Don't forget or remember that you once were slaves in Egypt. The moment you forget your sinfulness is the moment you get proud and satisfied. We are sinners saved by grace, and that never changes. I don't care how much you grow in righteousness. You are a sinner saved by grace. And God hates self-righteousness. And we need to constantly be reminded of the fact that Jesus has brought us out of Egypt. Jesus has brought us out of condemnation and sin and slavery. He has purchased our freedom. Never forget that. He brought us out. But not only that, the scriptures tell us, verse 15, he led you through. He led you through that vast and dreadful desert. He protected you. He guided you. And never forget, it is the wonderful providence of God. It is the presence of God. It is the power of God that protects you from all kinds of harm. And we often, when something happens to us, say, why me? Instead of counting our blessings and every day saying, thank you, God. It's not me where your grace and mercy have protected us. He led us out. He brought us out. He led us through. Verse 16, he gave us provisions, manna, and our fathers knew nothing about that. He brought water from a rock. 
How do you do that? The constant provisions of God take us through, and we must never forget. And the bottom line that is emphasized in verse 18 is simply this. Remember, it's the Lord your God who gives you the ability to do whatever you do. We are totally dependent on him. And we forget that. You know a good gauge to tell how much you have forgotten how dependent you are on God? Your prayer life. Ouch. Yeah, you say you're dependent on God. You say you believe in prayer. You quote scriptures and you define what prayer is. And I put myself in this category. But do we pray like we are dependent? And that's when God thrusts us into a situation where we realize without him we can do nothing. It's always true. But we have to be forced into situations to acknowledge it. It was during the Civil War where Abraham Lincoln said, we have been as a nation blessed with the great, great bounty of God, but we have forgotten him. And that's why the calamities have come upon us. There were many reasons, political and otherwise, for the Civil War, but according to Lincoln, one of the reasons was simply this, we have forgotten God. And so here is... The whole idea of forgetting in Deuteronomy 8 and the reasons, at least some of them, behind our forgetting. But now let's go to the word remembering. Because again, the flip side of forgetting is remembering. It's like repentance and faith. You cannot have one without the other. True repentance always leads to faith. And true faith is always connected with repentance. Forgetting and remembering are two sides of the same coin. I think remembering usually starts out with regret. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> and there's a lot of regret when that forgetfulness happens to be your wife's birthday. I'm not making a confession. Or an anniversary or some other important date. Oh, I forgot. And you do everything you can to try to cover up. But you're filled with remorse. Or at least you should be. We also call this repentance. So maybe the first step of remembering is saying, Oh Lord, forgive me for forgetting. For not keeping this constantly in my mind, in my forethought. Without, uh, for not keeping it near and dear with all I do and say. And then in with, with remembering, there is this idea of intentional thought. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But it means you have got to force yourself to remember those things that often we forget. And so what did Israel do to remember? They would have memorial days called festivals. They would build monuments. What are they going to do when they go into the Holy Land in the middle of a dry waterbed of the Jordan River they're going to put 12 stones on top of one another. Why? As a memorial. Or an Ebenezer, as it's called. Here I raise my Ebenezer. This is my memorial stone to remind me what God has done so I never forget. And when the scripture was written, 
At times, you will even see this statement, and it is still here to this day. And they would constantly go back and remember. When the Passover would be observed, it was the youngest responsibility of the youngest in the family to say to the father, why are we doing this? And the father would say, let me tell you. And he would tell them about the great Passover when they were delivered from the land of Egypt. It takes intentional thought. And it also takes personal application. Notice the very first verse of Deuteronomy 8. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today. So it's not only remembering the commands by way of acknowledgement, it is remembering the commands by way of obedience, of practical application. And then there is this idea of determination. If I'm going to remember something, then I have to be, uh, I have to persevere, I have to endure, I have to keep doing it. I am fantastic when it comes to exercise for two or three days. And then that fourth day, it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. You forget your goal. You forget the purpose. Perseverance is one of the marks of a true child of God. The perseverance of the saints. True saints persevere. God puts in his true people of God something that doesn't give up. It's a heart to keep going. Now we fall and we falter and we lose ground. But the true child of God wants to get back up and try it again. So, how do we remember? Remember how? Well, like a Memorial Day, like a monument, the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Monument. When's the last time you've been to D.C. to look at those things? And to read the inscriptions on those amazing memorials. The inscriptions that say things that we could never say today well, without being arrested. <laughs> Moses is in the Supreme Court, the Ten Commandments etched on the building. That liberties are a gift from God, so it says in the Jefferson Memorial. Oh, to return back to the customs and traditions of our core principles. But how do we remember? Well, let me mention and, and give you some uh, practical suggestions. The idea of a daily reminder. Establish a daily reminder that you belong to God, that he brought you out, that he leads you through, and that he provides all you need. That you are totally dependent on him. You need a daily reminder. My, reminder I suggest reading the Bible and praying. Start out small and be consistent. Don't give up. If you miss a day, start again and let it grow. Let it develop. Another thing I've started doing is I, I have a little wooden cross that I put in my pocket. And so when I go for my uh, wallet, which is just a money clip, I keep, I shouldn't tell you all this, should I? I keep it in my front pocket and so people can't steal it. I, I go for that several times a day and there's the cross. Or, or put it with your car keys. And it's a reminder. I belong to Jesus. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, 
but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a reminder that Jesus died for me and I belong to him, not to myself. Simple cross. There are weekly reminders. There's a good weekly reminder. It's called Sunday. It's called public worship. Are you intentional and determined? Now, I'm, I, I shouldn't preach too hard at you because you're here. I should preach to those who aren't here, but I can't because they're not. So I'll preach to you so you can tell them. It's the people who are determined to meet with the people of God. Unless some unusual providence keeps them away. It's people who order their schedules around meeting with God's people because it's important. Why? When we get together, we are to stir up one another to remember. There's a monthly reminder. At least here at South, it's a monthly reminder. It's called communion. And what did Jesus say about communion? Do this in... Yeah. It's a memorial. It's a memorial service. What are we remembering? We're remembering the sacrifice of Christ. Some churches do it every week. We do it every month. But don't miss it. You say, oh, I can be with the presence of God in some other context. If God has ordained for us to remember the supper on a regular basis, you cannot get that blessing any other way but by being with God's people in communion. The context may change, the location may change, even the congregation may change, but meet with the people of God to remember that Jesus died for you. And then you've got this idea of annual remembrance. The word holiday, as you know, came from what? Holy day. And the Jews had their holy days, special days. Every Sabbath was important during the week, but they still had their festivals and their feasts and they would gather together to celebrate and to remember. And you and I have some annual days that should be like holy days. We think of Christmas, the birth of Christ, and Easter, the resurrection of Christ, and Pentecost, the birth of, birth of the church, and some others in the Christian calendar that we probably should do more to remember. And then even in our own American calendar, there are times like today where we can remember the sacrifice of those who gave their lives for us. Dwight Eisenhower said, a people that values its privileges above its principles will soon lose both. It's that idea of allowing the core principles to become corrupt. A people that values its freedom, the greatest danger to freedom freedom, unbridled liberty to do whatever you want to do without regard to the one who made you. And in all the founding documents, the major documents, there is this acknowledgement that God is God and he made us and the rights and privileges we have come from our creator. That's where it must start. And if you don't have that in your theology, if that's not in your philosophy, then your freedom will be your destruction. 
Paul said it this way, you are free, but don't use your freedom as a license to sin. So let me change and rephrase Eisenhower's great quote. A church that values relevance, being effective, growing, that, that values its offerings, that values the number of people that come, its influence in the community, all of that, that values being relevant above revelation, the word of God, will soon lose the way the church becomes relevant is to be true to the God of heaven. And when we are, great things happen. It was Mark Twain who said, when I was younger, I could remember anything, whether it happened or not. <laughs> and some of us are good at remembering things that never took place. May we remember God, the one who saved us. God, the one who leads us. God, the one who provides for us every day of our lives. And the promise is this. You will enjoy abundance. Not necessarily material abundance. You will enjoy the abundance and the favor of God. And that, my friends, is heaven itself. Heavenly Father, forgive us for forgetting you and your amazing deeds. Forgive us for forgetting your word or remembering it and forgetting to do it. And may this day be a day not only of personal repentance but determination. where we build our Ebenezer, where we lay our stone of remembrance and say from this day forward, God will be my God and I am totally his. And I will seek to remember the death of Christ, the one who brought me out. And I will seek to remember the guidance of the Spirit, the one who leads me through. And I will seek to remember the provisions of Almighty God, the Father, who lovingly gives me all I need. We remember those who died physically so that we might have freedom, and we thank you for them. And we remember the Lord Jesus today, in whose name we pray. And all God's people said,